Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. This week, I have the amazing Christine Weber on the podcast. If you would listen to my end-of-the-year wrap-up with Shannon Crow in 2022, I talked a lot about Christine, as Shannon and I challenged you, the listeners, to learn more about the nervous system this year instead of focusing on those mobility topics that most people really got into in 2016 to 2019. Christine is the founder of Subtle Yoga, and she shares with us her decades of experience teaching in the yoga space. And you know what? She struggled with some of the same things that many of us still struggle with today. And we don't have to be massive, high-power, sweaty, hot-flow yoga class teachers if we don't want to be. Slow and subtle does work, and for most of us, does it better and more safely and sustainably. She also talks about all sorts of gems on both online teaching and self-care as a yoga professional, creating community, caring for yourself, and figuring out how to have fun with this work is critical for staving off burnout. I love this conversation because as you all know, conversations on self-care are totally my thing. But before we begin, make sure you go ahead and follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. If you're a longtime listener, I would love it if you would give me a review to help others find this podcast. And thank you again to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, the online self-care platform. Grab a virtual classes, workshops, webinars, and retreats all online, supporting you and your own self-care journey. It is self-care support right in your pocket. Read the blog and buy tickets for our virtual retreat from July 28th through 30th from www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash online. Now, take a listen to my conversation with the amazing Christine Weber. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. Okay, so I'm really excited to have this conversation, and this always happens, is that we get talking before I hit record, and then I'm like, okay, we got to stop. <laughs> I got to push record. So that happened again this week with my friend Christine Weber. So Christine, tell everybody who you are. And where are you from? Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Christine Weber. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, and I'm the founder of Subtle Yoga. That's the shortest intro ever for like one of the biggest people I've ever had on this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just say, go to subtleyoga.com and look at all of her amazing stuff online. <laughs> I've had the absolute pleasure of actually meeting Christine in person and hearing her speak. And I will never forget. So she was speaking on this panel at this yoga event and she just like, like Christine, you just said like the coolest stuff and everybody wanted you to finish. And, and I'm like holding the microphone away from the person who wanted to ask another question. I'm like, no, no, we're just letting her go. And then everyone clapped and it was so good. It was so good. Thank you. I don't I have no idea what I said, but thank you. <laughs> it was pretty much about deconstructing the yoga space and and uh, it was it was good. It's that's your bread and butter. So, okay. So, tell me what you do in subtle yoga and how you got started. So, I love to help mature yoga teachers and People say to me, as opposed to immature yoga teachers, but I use the word mature 
instead of seniors or instead of older or whatever, because I think it's accurate, regardless of how much yoga training or experience you've had, if you come to teaching yoga in your 50s or 60s or your 70s, you are bringing a lifetime worth of experience. And what does the world need now more than experienced, wise, spiritually oriented, particularly women, we need men too, uh, who, are, who are out there sharing their wisdom and trying to help, um, trying to help so many people manage things and deal with things uh, from everything from chronic health conditions and chronic pain to chronic mental health challenges and then to the need for spirituality in our lives particularly as we age so so that's what I'm into I'm really into supporting mature yoga teachers and I've been doing that um you know, for many years, I started teaching yoga in 95. And then I started training teachers in 2003. And I took everything online in 2018. Um, and decided to let go of my teacher training programs. I've been training teachers forever. So I let go of those 200 and 300 hour programs and started to really hone in and focus on teaching, um, the neuroscience of yoga as, as well as the tradition of yoga. I mean, I never let that go. Uh, and, and, you know, so I offer that in various different workshops um, as well as primarily in my membership organization, my membership group, which is called the Subtle Yoga Resilience Society. Um, we're coming up on uh, our third anniversary now, which is exciting to me. Um, and uh, it's, it's both a mentorship group and a place where yoga professionals as well as yoga enthusiasts can come and feel like they're in a supportive group of like-minded people who want to uh, use yoga as a way to maintain their health and wellness in, you know, as sustainably um, as they age. And, uh, it's been really, it's been really, really exciting. And I'll say the other word that comes to mind to me is it's been really validating mm. because I've been teaching this kind of yoga for so long. And I was around back in the early 2000s when everything was about like, can we be hotter, faster and sweatier? <laughs> and uh, to have people go, oh, what she's doing, maybe there's some value in that and slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and I think I'm starting to get why she talks about this all the time. So, so that's been really, really validating. Well, you were really ahead of the curve there. I mean, I also was around in the early 2000s, hotter, sweatier, people were stepping on you for like yeah. physical adjustments. Like we all sometimes <laughs> talk about what happened in our rooms in like 2002. And people think I like have war stories like, oh, yeah, we were we were strapped to boat to wood. While we were like, oh, yeah. like I trained in an oh, Iyengar yeah. studio. And so it was all the like deep Iyengar stuff that we were doing. People are like, are you OK? <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. And to work on rehabbing that stuff. Well, not only that, but the lack of tra trauma informed adjustments that were everywhere. I mean, this yoga studio in town here in Asheville until just very recently, a few years ago, was teaching a workshop that was always called how to do juicy assists. I mean, oh. juice, they called it juicy assists. Yeah. And it was like, put your pelvis on somebody else's butt while they're in a forward bend and push them deeper into it. I mean, that, it was that sort of stuff. And that was going on everywhere. And it still goes on, by the way. We're not yeah. done with that at all. But at least now there's a little bit of awareness about it. So I mean, I started teaching about trauma in 2010, I, at 29, I think. I mean, I, I, was, I was out there saying like, we have to look at what we're doing in the yoga space and talk about, we have to talk about this stuff. I felt like, I really felt like the emperor's new clothes. I remember being in a John Friend workshop in 2003 and I was just like, WTF is going on. And, uh, you know, everybody was clapping and so excited about it. And I thought, this is just wrong, people. We, but I, I kept my mouth shut for years. I kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to be a hater. You know, I didn't want to be yeah. edgy. 
And then when people started to finally talk about it, I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. This is stuff we've needed to talk about for a long time. Well, one of the things that I always say is that when I slid into those like really rigid yoga spaces in the late nineties and early two thousands, that was like, they were rigid and they were like, I feel very strongly that one of the messages we send with those assists is that you're wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong about you and I can fix you. No one felt so comfortable. I was raised Catholic. I I lived in that kind of childhood. Like I went in and I was like, I didn't feel comfortable because it was okay. I felt comfortable because it was familiar in a really shitty way <laughs> like right it, and so i love that we're shifting in this like tra- trauma-informed direction and like assists are not i mean you're right it does go on but it's not as prevalent thank you covid right. to covid took assists out of my business <laughs> right 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 yeah i remember being back in some of those spaces in the late 90s and thinking i don't need a mean mother I I've had that. Yeah, same. And all you know, love to my mom. I love my mom. You know, but like I was raised in the seventies. Like that's how you raised children back then, and raised Catholic as well. And you know, I remember being like, I don't need that in my yoga. That's not what I need. My yoga practice. Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of ran away. So I did uh, dip my toes into Iyengar now and then, and I found a nice Iyengar teacher in the late in the early two thousands who wasn't so much like that but but the anger was certainly it was a certainly a very interesting world in the 90s but i was very very fortunate that my original well i had many teachers even in the 70s and 80s um uh but my sort of when i got serious my original teachers were bengali tantrics from uh india and and i was studying in those lineages and those kind of more vaishnavite lineages and um, and that was great. I mean, I, I learned so much of the sort of philosophy and the, and the asanas were just sort of like, oh, here's some asanas that we do. But they were cool. I liked their asanas. And then I um, walked into my first mini yoga class in 1995. So I was really lucky. I got, and, and Vinny yoga, by the way, was very similar asana wise to what my Bengali teachers were teaching. And they, they would have yeah. never had any uh, uh, connection because it was South India and, and uh, Northeast India. So there was no way that they were connected except in through ancient lineages, you know? And then, so then I go to this Vinny yoga class and it was taught, taught in uh, Philadelphia at Yoga on Main, which was one of the first yoga studios in Philadelphia, I think. And I was like, oh yeah, this feels like the Hatha yoga that I've always loved and I'm gonna keep teaching. And so here I am studying Vinny yoga at a time when people are doing like vinyasa and then Ashtanga is becoming a thing and Baron Baptiste is teaching yeah. the, the eagles, you know, the Philadelphia eagles. So yeah. like all this stuff was going on back then that was completely opposite of what I learned. And I remember feeling kind of ashamed that I taught this like sort of wimpy yoga. Um, And that's why I decided, you know, that's why I really got into mechanisms and the neuroscience stuff because I wanted to be able to validate what I was doing in a scientific way. So anyway. I hear stories. Uh, I was going to say, I hear stories from people even today, like younger humans who are coming up as yoga teachers, you know, two, three, four years in the industry, they feel the same shame that you're talking about back then of not teaching that sweaty, hot power class. And then they come and they say, but I didn't come to yoga for that. I came because my, you know, I was having back pain in my twenties or like, you know, I have fibromyalgia or all these other things, but still feeling obligated to show up as that ashtanga vinyasa hot power teacher no 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 shame for all of you out there who are ashtanga vinyasa hot power teachers if that's your jam amazing but there is definitely still that shame for those of us who don't teach like that and let's be honest like that is interwoven with all the the body shaming it's all part and it's all misogyny yeah it's all part of it you know which is now trickled into uh, body image issues for men as well so everybody's got body image issues now <laughs> yeah right it's all intertwined it's all intertwined but that was all a big part of it and as a young woman teaching yoga in the early 2000s youngish woman in the early 2000s I 
I felt completely inadequate, but I kept soldiering on because I knew what I did was valuable. And that also sparked my other interest. So that one big interest I have is in the mechanisms and the neuroscience and the other big interest I developed for a couple of different reasons, but one of them is around public and population health. And so you have six out of 10 Americans who have a chronic health condition like heart disease or cancers or diabetes, COPD, et cetera. And um, four out of 10 have two or more of those chronic illness, metabolic syndrome, you know, on and on. And, and yet the yoga world, it has this hierarchy that, um, you know, if you can teach, look like, and teach like an elite athlete, you'll be considered a good yoga teacher. That, that was really dominant 20 years ago, but it remains the dominant paradigm. And yet those aren't the people, if elite athletes want to do yoga, do you think they can't find a yoga teacher? (laughs) No. Yeah. What? Phil Jackson was teaching yoga to the bulls in the nineties. Like, come on. It's there. Yeah, exactly. So they can find a yoga teacher. It's everybody else that needs yoga teachers. And I think yoga teachers really need to change their perspective on that and realize that we can be a cadre of wellness professionals that can actually change the trajectory of health in this country. And that is not something that is widely understood or even talked about, I think. I want to take a moment for anybody listening who has not explored the yoga therapy space, because when I found the yoga therapy space, and I know you're really involved in the IYT and yoga therapy space as well, like it was a breath of fresh air to me. It was like, oh, this is what I want to be doing. <laughs> like, you know, you know, I've been a yoga therapist since 2011 and just like, so I, it's such a privilege to have conversations like this one where we get to talk about supporting people's wellness in a whole different way that doesn't involve sweating or detox or whatever else. <laughs> like, it's a whole different paradigm. So explore that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so I want to ask you a little bit about moving your business online in 2018. So very distinctly, two years before all the rest of us <laughs> moved our businesses right. online, like you've had success in the online market. And I think new folks coming in are really wanting to hear these stories of like how the online market works, what's great about it, what's a challenge about it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a mixed bag because there's something so beautiful about being in person and, um, helping folks with their practice and being able to see what they're doing more clearly in 3d. There's something so personal and, um, you know, and intimate and you get that vibrational connection, all of that stuff. And, you know, so I've done that for years. And I got to a point where I saw the writing on the wall. I mean, I saw the writing on the wall in like 2013, to tell you the truth. And I was like, I have to get that. And I I kept trying to figure out how do I get online with what I'm doing? But um, I finally, I, I think I spent most of 2016 and 2017 when I wasn't doing my work, I'd be online, like, how do I get online? How do I figure this out? <laughs> and I finally ended up hiring a digital marketing person, which was a very big, a very big investment. You, you do have to expect, if you're going to go that route, you, you need about $10,000 up front. And, and that can be so daunting for us yoga people who often are scraping by. I mean, I scraped by for years, you know, but so I made the investment. I believed in what I was doing. You know, I have years, decades of, of, um, of experience and trainings, uh, thousands of hours, all that stuff, you know, and the person I'm working with said to me, um, you, I would never take on someone who doesn't already have a mailing list. Because so, yeah. you can't really make this work without a mailing list. So that's the first thing I would tell your people is start your mailing list, get it going and start sending people content. So people have been asking me this question for more than five years, you know, like, how'd you do it? I'm like, okay, so first you get, you start your mailing list and you start sending people useful content and it has to be useful and personal and, and helpful. It's not about me. That's the biggest thing I've learned about on by being online is 
that this story is not about me anymore. It's about what I can do for you. And it's a complete, you know, shift in everything I always thought, because I was always like, you know, I'm very old school trained. So it was like, this is yoga. This is how I learned yoga. This is my lineage of yoga. And this is what I'm going to share with you because this is yoga. You know, it was that sort of, that's how I was trained. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even though by different lineages, you know, um, Vinny yoga is one of my lineages. I've studied many, many different ones. So anyway, that, that's kind of how you, that's the, was the learning model, right? And now what the, being in the digital world has taught me is it's about you. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I can do for you. It's not about how you need to learn what I have to teach you. It's about what I know and, and how it can help you. And when I started thinking like that, I was like, wait a minute, this is yoga. <laughs> this, this is just karma yoga or seva, you know, this makes sense. And so I started uh, in the first thing I did was put out a, a course called the science of slow and it's just this little i don't know three hour four hour course little course um that is about teaching people that there's our benefits to moving slowly because since 1969 we've all been you know bombarded with the information from kenneth cooper and the aerobics revolution that cardiovascular exercise is good for you there's no denying that absolutely it's good for you but we also have this incredible, incredible epidemic of stress, trauma, anxiety, depression, on and on, addiction, chronic pain. And so maybe there's something to what the yogis said, <laughs> maybe yeah. slowing down has some benefits. So I started doing all that, curating all that research and um, I put together into this short course. We launched it in August of 2018 and I have never looked back. And to this day, I mean, that's just was the first of my offerings. I just started taking all my content that I had been, stuff yep. I've been teaching for years and started um, asking people what, you know, hey, I've got this, I'm interested in depression and, um, and neuroscience and yoga. So what do you want? And people would give me feedback and I would send out surveys on Facebook and then and emails and people would start telling me what they wanted. And I just started making courses about what people wanted. So I think I've made like 18 courses or something at this point. Um, and the Science of Slow remains my biggest um, course. And with more, more than 10,000 people have, have signed up for it now, which is just That's blows awesome. my mind. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so there's, there's the, this incredible potential. And now I have students in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Germany, England, um, uh, the Netherlands, France, Canada, Brazil. I mean, just everywhere, all over the United States. And it, it just, it just blew up, you know, so I'm, you know, I still can't believe, and, and certainly, it, you know, I was one of the first people out there, no doubt, in terms of taking the digital thing, yeah. you know, um, and that helped, but that doesn't mean that space is not still available. And I've spent a lot of time and talked to many people about different iterations of models because my model is not the only model for this business, right? And a lot of what a lot of people are doing is taking their students and like, hey, I've got this student who moved away five years ago, but wants to study with me. Now she can on Zoom, you know? So yeah. a lot of people are working that model, which I think is wonderful. And, and it, you know, it depends on what you want. I spend an inordinate amount of time sitting in front of my computer. Well, now I have a standing desk, so I stand in front of the computer too, but I spend a lot of time doing that. So, you know, you have to know what you're getting into. It, I, I did not know what I was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like it and it's wonderful. And it's given me a lot more financial um, uh, success than I previously had and all that stuff. And I have this incredible team that works with me now. So, you know, all that stuff is great, but it also is, um, it's, it's a lot of work. Let me just put it this way. I have to do a lot more meditation now than I used to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so here's the thing, right? Like one of the things I, I think when we talk about this move from our in-person spaces to the virtual spaces, and there's a lot of talk about virtual spaces being less than like where there's not transmission or it's not as potent. 
And I was like, y'all are high from co-regulation in person and you miss that online. <laughs> and I hear you because especially I, I'm a firm believer that there's more of us who have had trauma early on in our lives in the yoga space than there probably is in the average community. Yeah. And so we've taken our skills of being really good at reading a room and made a career out of it. And that's different online. Like we can't, that skill doesn't just, it's not transferable A to A. <laughs> like, right. And so I get that it feels uncomfortable, but also the potential that you have so much more control over your career online and you can build things that are exciting to both you and the people who you're talking to. And you're right, like that little nugget there of it's all about you. It's all about them. It's not about us. Like, yep. take that and like put it tattoo it on your wrist because the if I swear if I see one more marketing person who's like well here's my experience nobody cares <laughs> like well, I love I, you but nobody cares yeah I mean I think you do have to share your own personal experience um because it helps us to connect and relate yes. you know there's that part of it but but really it's more about me not having this sort of authoritarian idea that this is what yeah. you need. This is yes. what you need. You yes, know, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's more of that, like, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's figure this out. And I certainly have lots of things to teach. I, and, and that's, you know, that's an important piece of it because there, there's, there's pitfalls, there's benefits and pitfalls to everything, everything in life, right? And one of the pitfalls of online, the online yoga world is, um, well, I'll just put it this way. What's popular is typically never what's good. <laughs> you know, like if you want a hamburger, go to McDonald's, it's popular. But if you want a hamburger, you'll go to the gourmet restaurant and get the one that's really good, right? So, right. so that's the same thing with yoga. What's popular is almost never the same thing as what's good, which means it requires you to do some, to make some effort and do your due diligence and really check out stuff and talk to people and pay attention and not just go to that training because it's popular because it's probably not very good. And, and it's true. You know, I mean, I, I, I might be shooting myself in the foot by saying this, but it's almost always true. Uh, I think one of the things about online being online in general is it makes you kind of lazy and you're just like, Oh yeah, this looks good. Whatever. It's popular, you know? Yeah. Is it good? Probably not. So, <laughs> so that, that, you know, because marketing is marketing, like marketing works and, and that doesn't mean there won't be like little nuggets of good stuff in it. Yeah. There usually are some nuggets. If you want something really good, you better dig deep, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like I often think about like, well, this is me and what I'm putting out in the world and I want it to be the best possible version of what I have to offer. That's also though, it, the risk of failure is higher when you've dug deep and you've built this thing that you've really worked right. hard on. I mean, I'm sure you've had things you failed on. I most definitely have had things that have failed in my life and they're hard hits, oh, it's, yeah. you know? Uh, but that's the game that we've signed up for as being entrepreneurs and business owners. That's, that's part of it. Yep. Yep. It is. I mean, so the best, the best marketing, well, first of all, I just want to clarify something. I do not eat hamburgers, but I, I felt like I needed to say that, but, um, but if you do, I'm okay with that, but I, that was just an example. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, hmm, I better say something about the hamburger. Anyway, um, I, the best marketing I ever advice I ever heard was from a guy, a marketing expert named Seth Godin. I love he, Seth. Yeah, how can you not love Seth? Like he's so authentic, and he's really about being authentic. Yeah. So anyway, he's the, what he says is you want to be you want to be good, you want to be successful, and he says then you better be excellent at what you do. Yeah. And that to me, like, okay, I got it. You know, you, you shouldn't, especially women, we have a big problem with like overstudying and yes. feeling insecure about ourselves. I totally am not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about is the other subset of folks who are like, I finished my 200 hour and now I'm going to go online and lead teacher trainings. And yeah. that is happening. And that's a big problem. And that is a race to the bottom. 
you know, yeah. so we have to be really careful about that. Uh, I think, you know, and, and I'm not about, you know, stay in your lane or just keep, you know, whatever. I'm not about that. Like, I, I think you're great. I think you all have amazing skills to offer and be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know, be honest. I heard two young yoga teachers talking the other day online and they were saying, don't trust older teachers because they haven't studied the science. I was like, what WTF? Like, what, <laughs> what are you trying to, what are you doing there? What are you saying? That's first of all, it's not accurate. But secondly, like older teachers often have a lot to offer and, and having a mentor is, is so important in this yeah. work instead of thinking like, oh, I did 200 hours, so I'm done. That's the other thing I see on social media all the time. Oh, I did my 200 hour training. Do I really need 300 hours? I'm fine. You know, you can't, you can't cut someone's hair in North Carolina or clean their teeth with 200 hours of, I'm, I live in North yeah. Carolina, you know, yeah. with 200 hours of training in anything like 1500 hours is minimum. And so like, remember 200 hours is just like, that's a very arbitrary, weird number. Like you need to keep going. You need to yeah. keep studying. And at the same time, you need to know what you know, know what you don't know and offer what you know. And, and, and many people will benefit from it. So, yes. so, you know, it's like, don't, don't put those artificial roadblocks in the way. And at the same time, respect it, respect yeah. the tradition, you know? It's very much, there is a point where when you first learn to be a yoga teacher and you're like, okay, so how do I do this? And you likely don't do this full time to start. This isn't going to be how you make a living at the beginning, but there is like, and it's so yoga, right? Because this is, this is everything is yoga. I know like you get to the point where it's so annoying. You're like, damn it. It's here. It is again. <laughs> but, right. But there's that discomfort in the middle where you up level your skill set enough to have something to say with confidence, grace and ease, where you have to just be in it like you're just doing it over and over and over again and getting better at the skill set. It's people want to skip that section because it's discomfort and we know what that is because we teach that in our asana classes, you don't skip the weird uncomfortable part you figure out how to settle into it right. you know and this is our careers are the same way like you just have to do it to get better that's right and it's the same thing with teaching online or being online in general and speaking i remember the when i first started leading teacher trainings i was like what am i gonna say i don't know <laughs> I what know, i'm right? gonna say i remember being like yeah um, but then, you know, I did it a few times. I always have my notes and I did it a yeah. few times and I started to get a little better at it. And I would say that that's a skill I've been working on for, you know, decades and, and being able to teach online is a similar kind of skill. Like you, you have to try it. So one of the um, Facebook groups I was in back in the mid 20, like 2015 or 2016, as I was trying to figure out how to get online what that was it was I don't this person doesn't even do marketing stuff anymore but but she was great and she would get on and she would say you have to get on video and I'd be like what is she talking about she's like no you, you have to get on video and you have to do this you have to open your mouth <laughs> True. and she's like and you got to do it again and again she's like get on Facebook lives just just do Facebook lives and so yes. I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing Facebook Lives and I was like, I'm talking to the computer. Fortunately, I had had some experience because I started teaching for Yoga U um, oh. back in 2007. So I had, and that was the first time I remember staring at a camera or staring, it was like staring at a wall because back in 2007, we were actually, believe it or not, teaching on the landline phones like there wasn't even a video back then <laughs> so it was like I was like talking into my phone staring at the wall I was like this is so weird and unnatural I remember that very well but I had, <laughs> I had started having that experience a long time ago and so talking to the camera wasn't that much harder but it's still required you know you're sort of looking like oh my hair is a mess and like, what am I wearing today? I look like a mess, you know, those, those <laughs> sorts of things were going through my mind. 
Um, but but after doing it enough times, after you know talking to the camera, just doing live streams, just like talking about little things, like hey, let's talk today. We're going to talk about your hip flexors or whatever. Or today, let's talk about this pranayama technique. And doing it a few times started to get me used to it. And now I can, now it's it's not that hard. You know, I can be yeah. on a camera and I'm I'm kind of fine in front of it. Like, but you know, it's it. It, it is a matter of going back to that idea of it's about you, not about me. So I have to be like, okay, I don't look great today or didn't sleep enough or my hair is a mess. Yeah. And, oh, well. Stop <laughs> apologizing for it in your videos. We don't care how your hair looks. We just want to hear all the amazing things that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> right. And how it's relevant to you yes. <laughs> and how it's going to help you. So it's, it's always thinking about that. Okay, so I'm going to switch lanes just a little bit because I actually am really curious about your your feedback on this. And that is how we as yoga professionals care for ourselves. Now this is so I have one part of my business that is supporting yoga professionals in the industry and the other part of my business is I have self care methodology. And I'm trying to like bridge this because what I found is that yoga professionals really suck at our own care. Like, oh, the irony. Right, right. And we really have one line that we tell people, don't forget your practice, which is served with guilt and shame more than with support. (laughs) (laughs) And so real talk, Christine, because I know you're going to give me real talk. Like, how do you care for yourself as a professional who cares for other people? So are you asking me that personally or are you asking me it as a professional, like what my profession? All of the above. Okay, so... Um, I'm in the middle of working on a webinar about exactly this thing right now. Uh, it's just gonna be a one hour thing, but, um, right. Cause like, why would we spend too much time on self-care? <laughs> I spent like, all I my time. And it's actually leading and it leads into my subtle yoga resilience society. So it is technically called the sales webinar. Um, however, like it's full of data and neuroscience and, and, um, you know, uh, research uh, the evidence informed, uh, research. So our evidence informed practice, I should say, anyway, th- that question, uh, how uh, I'll answer that first personally, which is, um, I work really hard to crown myself the queen of self-care and, and like, I, <laughs> I, I think about it that way. I'm like, I am the queen of self-care. And, <laughs> and if, if I'm like failing in my queenly duties, that's not okay, you know, um, because it's all about that os- oxygen mask, putting it on first. So my r- own routine is when I wake up in the morning, I immediately do a little prayer mantra thing <clears throat> or a little kirtan that's like set the tone for my day. And then I do whatever, you know, teeth brushing stuff, shower. And then I do my, I usually do meditation in the morning before I do asana, which is different than a lot of traditions. A lot of traditions, they do your asana first, but because of that sort of really subtle vibration in the world that, you know, the birds at 6.30 or seven o'clock in the morning, it's usually when I try and get up if possible. I I like that vibration. I like to kind of capture that and bring it into my day. So I usually sit um, 30 to 60 minutes, including pranayama, depending on my time. You know, if I'm teaching something really early in the morning, I'll sit for two minutes. It it totally depends. And then I follow that with a 30 to 45 minute asana practice. And that's my self-care. Like, and it's, it is non-negotiable, you know, um, except in those cases when I'm teaching really early or I'm traveling or something, the rest of it, it's a non-negotiable because as the great Mahatma Gandhi said, um, I meditate for an hour every day, unless I'm really busy, then I meditate for two. You know, it's like, you have to prioritize it. it, Let me tell you something. It has nothing to do with time. It has nothing to do with your time. It has everything to do with your priorities. Yeah. I mean, I often say it's like scales, right? So the the degree to which you care for others is the degree to which you are obligated to care for yourself. Absolutely. That's right. That's why I'm the queen of self-care. 
Well, I mean, it's true. And we're here. We are yoga teachers, like supporting people through the past three years that have been really difficult and traumatic for like all of us. I, I had another friend who said to me, like, are you finding people just looking at you to say smart stuff like right now, like how we get through this? And right. we had nothing, you know, like we're struggling, like everyone else is struggling. Right. Right. And then you realize you've got to go in first and do it for yourself so that you can share with other people. Oh, you gotta, you gotta replenish, you know, you gotta fill it up and fill yourself up. Absolutely. Because if, if you don't like, how can you possibly be teaching, you know? Uh, and that's, and that is the, non-negotiable in my opinion you know my teacher training programs were always like the first thing is you're going to have a habit of practice when you come out of this program and if you don't then you really shouldn't be teaching like i i don't understand how you can teach yoga if you're not practicing it it doesn't make any sense to me and you can come up with every excuse and you could say i'm teaching 12 classes a week or 17 classes a week or whatever and i just don't have time and my pra- oh, I've, I've heard so many people say my teaching is my practice no no, 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 no. It, it no. can't be. Those have to be separate things because you're not doing any kind of service or performance or anything when you're doing your practice. Your practice is about you connecting yes. to your higher self. Now, I do think there's some deeper challenges there, which is that a lot of people think you're just supposed to know how to meditate organically. Right. That, there couldn't be anything farther from the truth in my experience that, you know, meditation, just like asanas requires teachers and requires commitment and you have to practice all that stuff. Uh, same with pranayama. Um, so, so at any rate, the professionally, um, the, the whole idea around self-care, uh, we, we need to look at the bigger issues, I think, around um, our sense of value and cultural stuff around women taking being caregivers so we don't need to care for us. all that stuff is part of the those are all part of the issues around why people don't get to it you really have to look at yourself and be like why am i not doing this where yeah. what's going on with me and if it if it's your life is too busy you know okay we we are all dealing with that i we are all way too busy. There's yeah. no doubt about it, you know, and that's even more reason why you need to get yourself to the mat. And then if it's like, well, I don't really enjoy my practice. That's when you need to start exploring other teachers. That's when you need yes. to start exploring other styles of meditation. Um, but, you know, if your practice is injuring you or your teaching is injuring you, please find another teacher. There's lots of practices that will not injure you. I know people who taught yoga classes back in the day lying down because their backs were so sore from over teaching, you know, yeah, that's, it's real. The the struggle is real out there, you know, so find other, and if you don't like meditation, find another way of meditating. Like I'm not a huge fan of meditating on emptiness. That's not my thing. You know, some people that works for, I guess, that's not my thing. Emptiness, like it's not my thing. I'm not, I'm not Zen. You know, I'm much more interested in connecting with archetypal energies, AKA deities. That's much more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and, and the great thing about meditation is there's tons of different styles. So don't limit yourself. Yeah, I think what you've said here is really important. It doesn't have to look like a class. Like that's the right. thing that I think yoga teachers think is that, oh, my practice has to be 60 minutes and I have to have the whole 60 minutes to like, like if you've got kids and you're driving seven different places to teach during the week, like it doesn't have to look like that, but your care has to be there. And you have to prioritize yourself as much as you're prioritizing everybody else. Yeah. Uh, Some people really take umbrage with the expression self-care it's like, well, I want other people to take it. And I totally get that. And I think we live in a culture that has been very isolated and isolating. And then we've got to care for ourselves on top of that. And nobody's caring for us. And those look at that stuff because that stuff is relevant. Absolutely. And it, and that idea of creating community as a form of caring for ourselves is, yes. is, is very important. 
Well, and I really like, so part of my self-care methodology involves like, like personal care is one thing. So my personal care, how, what I'm doing with my own human body is one thing, but then, yeah, like how we're in relationship with other people and how we're relationship with our greater community. Like those are all ways that we care for ourselves. And frankly, some people find so much nourishment in that connection with other people. Like I'm not going to be the asshole who tells them they have to be by themselves on their mat. Oh, yeah. Every day, you Absolutely. Know I mean? That's right. That's right. So self-care can come in many, many forms. I mean, my, I, I, you know, I've always loved my little cave, <laughs> you know, Same. and that, and that retreat. And I know many, many of my students really want to be, you know, in their bedroom, in their pajamas, listening to my voice, guide them through an asana class and that's their self-care and that's perfectly valid and wonderful, you know? Um, so we, we all find it in different ways, you know? And, and by the way, I take lots of classes too, you know? So it's not like I'm that, I'm not, I consider that part of my self-care, lots of classes. So, um, and I'm in the middle of doing another yoga therapy training. I've been a yoga therapist since 1995. I joined <laughs> IAYT in 1998, I think. Before it was IAYT, it was the Yoga yeah. Research uh, Foundation, I think, with Georg Ferstein. I mean, I've been, I've been in that space for a long, long time, but I still take trainings, you know, because it's, it's so fascinating. And the world of yoga just gets bigger. The more you know, the more there is, to, the more you know, you don't know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's end with what would you say to people who are new and coming up as yoga pros? Like, like what, give them sage words of wisdom because I don't have many. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> I bet it's so funny. Somebody asked me this question the other day. It was a, almost the exact same question. And so I think, the first thing is, you know, give yourself a break. Like you, you did a training, you've got something to offer, go offer it, have fun, have a good time. It's fun to do this work. You know, that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is if you need to make a living teaching yoga, if you need to make a living teaching yoga, just know it's going to take a number of years to get there and that's okay. So, you know, if you have a master's degree in social work, or you have a nursing degree, or you have a fitness, you know, your fitness per professional, whatever you are, in addition to doing your yoga stuff, don't quit your day, day job yet. It's not the right time to quit. You know, you do yoga for your, you teach yoga on Saturday mornings or whatever. Like, you don't have to rush this. You have time, you know, and, and please pay your bills. So, so be able to pay your bills, right? And then uh, I think, I think, and just be, be, be okay with, you know, be patient and take, let it take the time that it takes. Let yourself marinate in this tradition and enjoy it and read stuff. You don't have to get OCD about anything, you know, just, but read stuff, enjoy it, take classes, have fun and let it start to flower. And then when you're ready, you'll know you're ready because you'll have an email list that's significant. You'll have people telling you, I wish you got more class. You know, you'll, you'll be ready when you're ready. And you, it's okay to not be ready, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's okay to never be ready and just teach yoga as part of your career. And that is, I, I can't tell you how many people I've trained that do that, you know? So, and that's okay, because if you're going to do it and be a full-time yoga professional, in a culture where we do not have reimbursement for yoga professionals, right? Yet. And then you're going to have to commit to a life of some austerity for a while. And that could be okay for you. I don't know who you are. That could be just fine for you, but you have to be, you have to understand that that's the reality of what, what it's like out here, you know? Um, and, and if that's okay with you, great, go for it, you know? Um, and if it's not okay with you, then build yoga as an, you know, as part of whatever else you're doing, because it fits in so beautifully with school teaching and nursing and being a doctor or being a psychologist or being a, a fitness professional. I mean, it just, it, it flows in so many different directions. There's so many things you could do with this. And 
Um, and why not? You know, why not be creative and find a way to make it really work? Because the people who really need you are the ones that are not getting served right now. Those are the ones that have the chronic health conditions and they may have a little bit, they may have a little bit of an idea that yoga could help them, but then they go online and all they can find is stuff that is not appropriate for them. So, you know, that, that idea of like specializing in something that's really, that you're really passionate about can be a really good way to go with this work. So, so go for it. I'm not saying do it or don't do it. I'm saying you have many options. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell everybody where to find you. Um, you can find me at subtleyoga.com. Uh, you can also find me almost every day at Subtle Yoga with Christine Weber on Facebook. Several times a week, I'll be there. Um, I'm only, I only live stream at 11 a.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. You can find me there. Subtle Yoga Community on Facebook is a great place to join and you can ask questions. And if you really want to go for it and study with me every week, you can join the Subtle Yoga Resilience Society. Yay. Thank you for coming. I love this conversation. (laughs) I love talking to you. You're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you again so much for this interview, Christine. I loved every second. Here are our key takeaways. First, please, for the love of all that is holy, make your marketing about the people who you are talking to. Now, those people do want to hear your stories about your life, yes, but what they really want is for you to connect with them and speak to them and their lives and their needs. It truly isn't all about you in marketing, and for most of us, it does make us feel uncomfortable when we market that way. There is a weird and uncomfortable part of yoga teaching where you're in the middle of learning to be excellent. And it is uncomfortable. It's tough, it's repetitive, and sometimes it makes you feel like a fraud. But this is the part of the up-leveling of your skills as a yoga teacher. So let me encourage you to stop fighting that discomfort and settle into getting better at your job. Go get on video over and over again. It will become easier, and I am going to take this advice as well. Your own self-care is something that is non-negotiable, and it is as much to do with your own priorities as it has to do with time. And finally, as a gentle reminder, your teaching is not your practice. You need to prioritize yourself and your practice as a yoga teacher. This is not to shame, but to encourage you to rethink and reprioritize yourself as equal to others, including your students. Thank you again to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams. Check out their self-care blog at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash blog and snag tickets to the virtual retreat in July. Next week, we will continue our talks about self-care with one of my favorite friends in the yoga space, Steph Galante. See you around the water cooler then.